Is anybody here glad you're saved? Is anybody here glad I'm saved? Well, I am too. I'll tell you, folks just about packed that pew right there in front. All the way from White Snow, uh, Lake Worth, comes every service and packed a pew today. And I'm glad that you all are here. We'd like to welcome all of you who are joining us by way of live stream, radio, internet, hairnet, any kind of net that you're joining us today, we're glad you're here. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles again, we'll continue our, ser- our sermon series out of the book of Mark, Mark chapter number 11. If you would please find your place there in Mark chapter number 11. Had, had a, we've had a great week. Our soul winning was great on Saturday. We had folks out. Buses were great, and I'll tell you, just a good time to serve the Lord. Amen. Uh, looking forward to our building being completed and uh, our crowd increasing, people getting saved. I'm looking forward to that. I want to read for you just a few verses out of the book of Mark. I'll begin reading in verse 20, if That'd be all right, of chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 20. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. Just for your information, that is the only judgmental miracle that Jesus performed while he was here on earth. The only judgmental miracle. The Bible says, And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, When ye pray, believing that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Man, that is better than snuff and not near as dusty. Get a hold of that, man. Could I ask you a question, please? Is that just another book? Lay it in your lap. Is that God's book? Is that God's word? Have faith in God. Well, there's always a twist, you know. 
Verse 25, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any. Now, what is ought? You ought to know. You ought to know more than anybody else what ought you have in your heart. That your Father also, which is heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. For if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Our Father today, we need your help. Because without you and the Spirit of God, I stand alone inept, but Lord, with you, all things are possible. I speak now, Lord, concerning the hurt, the disappointments, the anguish of soul that many have brought to church today, and Lord, to them, their mountains unmovable, distracted, hurting, and discouraging. But Lord, may I direct everyone's attention today to the mountain-moving God. And with God, all things are possible. We ask you today to be with the service Anoint, open our hearts that we might hear from thee. In Christ's name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. I don't know if it's possible for us or we, with our finite mind, to wrap our mind around these verses. It is mind-boggling to realize that we have a God with whom nothing is impossible. Now, we don't believe that. If we did, it would cut down on our anxiety and worry. If we believe that, it will cut down on all the disturbances in our homes. You wives are always asking the preacher, can you fix him? No, I can't, but I know someone who can. Uh, you need to just, just wrap your mind around what Jesus told the disciples. For verily I say unto you, that whatsoever shall you say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. 
say it. If I would ask everyone today who believe that, you'd raise your hand. Then go home doubting that it's true. Now, some of you need to take your halo off and shine them. We don't believe that. We really don't believe that. We're paupers spiritually. We're bankrupt in our relationship with God. We do not believe those verses. Jesus told the twelve that walked with him and saw him walk on the water, raise the dead, heal the sick. And he said, what you guys need now is faith in God. Twelve of them, three and a half years, seen every kind of miracle you can imagine, miracles, physical miracles, natural miracles, emotional miracles, spiritual miracles. Jesus performed all of these that they might believe who he was. And yet, when he cursed and smit the fig tree, and the fig tree dried up at its roots, the fig tree boasting of its beauty with all of its leaves, when Jesus went to the tree for fruit, there was nothing but leaves. I wonder today if Maybe a lot of our Christianity is nothing but leaves. Nothing but show. And when Jesus went to that tree looking for fruit and found none, he cursed the tree. And it dried up from the root, the Bible said, and it withered. Do you know any Christians who are withering? And I read that, and it seems that the transition from the fig tree to have faith in God, I had a lot of trouble trying to see where it applied. So I went back to Matthew chapter number 21. And Matthew, relating the same story, kind of ties everything together for an old country boy like me. Now, for some of you Bible students, it was no problem, I'm sure. And verse number 20 now of Matthew chapter number 21, the Bible said, And when the disciples saw it, saw what? The fig tree that had been withered, they marveled. They were shocked. They were overwhelmed, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus did not touch the tree. He did not take an axe and mark the tree. He did not bump the tree with his transam he was riding in. He spoke to the tree. And these disciples were shocked that Jesus could merely speak and the root dried up and the Leaves withered. 
And they were marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Now watch the connection. Jesus answered and said unto, said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which was done to the fig tree, but also if you say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And whatsoever, and all things, whatsoever ye ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Have faith in God. I just wonder today, If I have that kind of possibilities as a child of God, why am I not using them? You see, the fig tree was pretty, but it was useless. It was leafy, but not fruitful. It was just taking up space. The biblical definition is cumbered the ground. I wonder if maybe some of us are just taking up space and not producing fruit. You see, the tree had a specific purpose. Fruit. The man who planted it, planted it for a specific purpose, fruit. The Creator put it in the earth for a specific purpose, fruit. A Christian is to bear fruit. Jesus said, ah, ye have not chosen me. But I have chosen you that you should bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. I wonder today if it's possible that there are Christians who are merely cumbering the ground, taking up space, leafy, dress right, fruitless. And these disciples did not understand that and Jesus told them probably what's wrong with you guys is your listen now prayer life the Bible said men ought always to pray and not to faint I believe probably prayerlessness and fruitlessness probably dwell in the same tree. What a privilege it is to pray. You know why you don't pray? It's not fun. We come to prayer in a very regimental 
situation because we've been taught you ought to have a specific prayer time, a specific Bible reading time, a specific quiet time, so when you get all that done in your ten minutes, all the rest of it belongs to you. When Paul said we ought to pray without ceasing, Could I ask you a question? Is your prayer life fun? Does your heart and soul linger and want for a time when you can get along with somebody without any qualifications who loves you? Prayerlessness. Jesus was speaking to the disciples and and said, you need to have faith in God because if you do not have faith in God, you will not pray to God. And if you pray to God, your faith will be greater because you were praying, faith leads you to pray. I just wonder if maybe today, There's more to this thing in Christianity than we are experiencing. I wonder if a kid gets sick, is our first call to the medical situation or to the healer of all men? I wonder when the people down at the school says that your child needs counseling. You talk to them about Jesus or let some heathen talk to them about how their mother kicked a dog when she was young and that reason that everybody in your family hates dogs. Is there more to it than what you've got? By the way, have you got any more than you had before you asked him to save you? Is there more peace? Is there a more settled attitude? Is there more acceptance that God's in control? Or is it somebody else's fault? How do you, how do you face your mountains? When the Bible says... The mountain shall be removed. That saying was very, very familiar with the Jew. And the Jew knew that Jesus was not talking about literal mountains being moved to the sea. They knew he was talking about obstacles, hurts, mountains in your life that you cannot climb, that discourages you, that has hindered you, and that is still hindering you. You know Jesus' formula for your situation? Have faith in God. Is there anybody here? Well, somebody needs to say amen. 
I'm glad Jay wasn't on the front row because when he stood up and said, Glory to God, while I go, if all of you had seen him, he said, <laughs> Listen, it's okay to scream at a touchdown. It's okay to say amen when somebody makes a pass. Not at you now. Listen to me. Makes no difference what your mountain is. Makes no difference what's going on in your life. Jesus said, have faith in God. Would you allow me just a minute? We'll talk about mountains. You know, you can always do a lot of things with mountains. You can climb them. You can avoid them. You can ignore them. Or you can be detoured and go around. Or you can move them. It's your choice. I said it's your choice. And I don't care who you are. You've got a mountain today. Some of you kids, uh, your car's not fast enough. That's a mountain. See me have service? I'll tell you how to get that done. Some of you kids has a ticket. See me after service, and I'll tell you how to get that fixed. <laughs> but we all got mountains. Amen? If you're married, you've got a mountain. No, if you've got a married, you've got a whole mountain range. Come on. If you've got teenagers, forget it. Put that sucker in a barrel and put a hole in the barrel and just walk by once in a while and stick him with a pen. Jesus used the situation of the fig tree to teach a lesson. It was a teaching moment for our Lord as his 12 disciples was following him. And he knew what he was going to do, but he used these situations as teaching moments. And he uses this fig tree as it dried up at the roots and began to wither, and the disciples were astonished, marveled, and absolutely shocked. And Jesus used this for a teaching moment when he said, you guys can do the same thing if you have faith in God. In fact, this little old fig tree is just a small deal. See that mountain over there? Have you ever heard this phrase, mountain Moving faith. Can I help you? Faith does not move mountains. God does. The first thing I'd like to show you is the object of your faith. The object of your faith. Here it is. In God. How big is our God? Now that's the question. How big is God? What can your God do? What can your God not do? 
The question is, can your God plant a tree, nourish the tree, curse the tree, and it die? How big is the God you've been talking to every once in a while? When you have time, when it don't interfere with your schedule, how big is that God that you read about in that Bible occasionally? The object of my faith should be God. Two men standing on the brink of an icy river not knowing how thick the ice, one man very cautiously, feebly, one step at a time, thinking to hear the ice crack. He makes his way out into the river and in fear turns around and comes back to shore. The other man takes his fishing pole, steps out on the river, walks across the ice, cuts a hole in the ice, begins to fish. The difference, one man knew the ice, the other one didn't. Do you know the ice that you're standing on? You say, preacher, it looks like it's cracking. No, no, it's not cracking. That's just a little mountain God put up there. Well, she didn't cook last night. Well, thank God for McDonald's. Preacher, I've got faith. In what? Everybody has faith. That's why he sat in that pew. He had faith that holds you up. What amazes me is we go to a doctor we don't know. Can't even read his degree. And he's a graduate of the First Assembly of God School in Podoc Holler who handles snakes part-time. And he tells us, you need to let me cut you open. Without any doubt, without any reservation, we look at him and say, when? <laughs> then we go to a lighted operating room we do not check it for cockroaches and other little bugs that runs around in there that you cannot see other than a microscope and we go in there by faith lay down on that deal and say have at it doc but we can't trust God with 10% of our money object. We walk into a 25-story building, punch a button, and get on an elevator that we have not checked any of the apparatus 
have not checked the cable that runs to the top. We get in that thing and look at those mirrors and fix our hair while we trust that sucker to take us 22 stories in the air. Faith in the object. Oh, you say, preacher, I've been to church, so I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to believe. I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe. I believe, I believe, I believe, I'm going to believe. I'm going to stir up my faith. Is anybody here? I, I'm, going, I'm just going to stir it up. I'm, going to, I, I'm, just going to, I'm just going to read the Bible and stir up my faith. Well, faith and faith don't get anything done. Jesus said, have faith in God. Is there a God that created all of this? Is there a God that sustains all of this? Is there a God that never sleeps? Is there a God that is always awake? A God who is omnipotent? A God who is omniscient? A God who is everywhere all the time and cares for us and sent his son to die on the cross? Is there a God like that someplace in this universe? Then we need to change the object of our faith. Faith has no value without an object. You understand that? Even the weakest of faith gets God's attention. He said, if you have the faith of the grain of a mustard seed, you don't have to have earth-moving faith. You've just got to have faith in the object who has the ability to move mountains. It was Peter who walked on the water who Jesus said afterwards, Oh ye of little faith. Our faith must be in the object have faith in God. You got that? You don't whoop it up. You don't work it up. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The smallest inkling of faith today is enough to change your eternal destination. As a sinner of every sort, 47 years ago, when the preacher walked into my living room, I thought John 3.16 was a cubic inches in a shibboleth. I was hell-bent, hell-bound, and ignorant of anything that was godly or right. But I believed somewhere there is somebody bigger than everybody. I couldn't quote one verse. I couldn't sing one hymn. 
But I believe that Jesus Christ, God's Son, died for me. And with the faith of a grain of mustard seed, just small faith, I slid off my couch in my living room and I invited Christ to come into my heart. No earth-shaking faith, no mountain-moving faith, just faith in the object. That's God. And he did the rest. Can anybody say amen? Well, you ought to be glad I'm saved. You ain't glad of nothing else. The object of our faith. Let me talk to you for just a minute about the purpose of our faith. Here it is. Let me read it for you now. Verse 23, look in your Bible. Verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Faith is to remove the mountains in my life. Not literal mountains, but mountains just the same. Little mountains and big mountains, high mountains and wide mountains. Life's problems and disappointments and challenges and hurts represents the unmovable, the impossible things in my life that I cannot move by myself. Things that are too high to cross and too steep to climb and too deep, bless your heart, to fort. Do you know anything about mountains in your life? A spouse who walks up to you and says, I never have loved you. And you wouldn't make a speck on the fella I'm in love with now's nose. Mountains. Hurts. Disappointments. Things that are bigger than us. Things we cannot accomplish ourselves. A preacher, I'm trying to lose weight. Quit eating so much. Don't quit eating altogether. Preacher, I'm trying to get my home in a harmonious and godly environment. You can't do that by yourself. That's a mountain only God can move. Preacher, you don't understand. I know I don't. But did you know there's not a mountain in my life I'm about to close that God did not allow 
Now, he probably, maybe, did not initiate it. But in his divine, omnipotent wisdom, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. To those who are called according to his purpose. How in the world could, could mountains be for my good? The Bible said, David was right and said, In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. I'll not take your time, but I would like to ask you to do something for yourself, if you would please. I would like for you to do, turn to Psalm 107 sometime, not today. But I'd like for you to turn to Psalm 107 and see four verses. Where it said, I cried unto the Lord, and he delivered me from my distresses. Four times in Psalms 107. Four times everything was going good, and God's people got sideways with God, and God began to send them difficulties and put a mountain in their life, and then they cried unto the Lord, and he delivered them from their distresses. You know what God uses mountains for? To get your attention. God will send them. He may send it in the form of a marital problem. He may send it in the form of addiction to some thing. But you can put her down. The mountain that you're facing can be moved. It can be ignored. It can be detoured. It can be put off. But it'll be there. But thank God it can be removed. Are you glad of that? You see, not only does my mountain have a divine purpose, a divine purpose, but my mountain also has a dehabilitating possibility. When mountains come, it seems that our focus is changed from he who moves mountains to the mountain. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do about this mountain. Is there anybody here today can say amen that when difficulties come, hardships come, decision-making time comes, we take our eyes off of he who can move mountains and focus 100% on the mountain. Can anybody say amen now? Come on. Say amen. Maybe our officers might think you folks are alive. Could you say amen? The trouble with mountains sometimes is they debilitate us because it, 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 it blurs our focus. It uh, rearranges our priorities. It uh, uh, hinders our church attendance, uh, it 
stifles our spiritual growth, that confuses our home and our relationships, and it disturbs our emotions until we're about to have a nervous breakdown because we're focusing on the mountain and not the mountain mover. Oh, one time Jesus told a blind man, be it unto you according to your faith. These two blind men came to Jesus with a tremendous mountain. Neither one of them could see, blind as a bat. They came to Jesus and asked Jesus to heal their blindness. Matthew 5, Matthew 9. And Jesus looked at them and said, Do you believe that I can do what you're asking me to do? They said, Yea, Lord, we believe. Next verse. And they left seeing. <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful God? Do you believe? Not your faith now. Do you believe the object of your faith, which is God, can handle your puny little mountain that's about to give you a nervous breakdown? about to ruin your relationship with somebody. Do you believe that the God of your Bible can still walk on the water? Hmm? Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Then your deal is only petty cash to God. Not a big deal. Not a big deal to God. Just a big deal to you. If it's your nose that's in the crack of the door, your friend does not have near as much compassion as you do. I just wonder today, do we want to be able to get what we need? The object, the purpose, the result. And the Bible says, I'm closing right now. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, not need, desire. Preacher, is it right to pray for a shotgun? I hope so. I'm believing so. And I bought one, and the dumb thing won't work. So God's trying to teach me a lesson this deal. I don't know what he's trying to do. Maybe give up hunting. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, don't waste time praying. Listen, if you don't forgive, whatever it is, God won't hear. Just be happy with your mountain. Might ought to build a cabin on it. You're going to have it a long time. 
Well, I've been praying and praying and praying and praying. Hey, hey, if you don't forgive everybody of anything they've done, be happy with your mountain. Maybe you can sell some hunting leases on your mountain. Maybe you can take somebody fishing in your mountain. But until you forgive, you're going to have your mountain. It might be an emotional mountain, a physical mountain. It might be a spiritual mountain. It might be, I don't know what it is. But if you want God to move it, then you look around this church. Look deep in your heart. And you forgive. Or you can quit praying. Because it's not going to do any good. You say, well, you don't understand what they did. He does. And he forgave them. Even when they were doing it. He forgave those at Calvary. While they were driving the nail. He forgave those at Calvary while they were mending the thorn of crown, the crown of thorns. And he said, if you want mountain moving faith. You say, preacher, I, I don't know if I can forgive. That's your mountain. We found it. It took us an hour to discover your mountain. <laughs> I'm seeing one guy caught it right back there from me. I ain't going to forgive them. Be happy with your mountain. They've done things I don't think they ought to be forgiven for. Who made you God? You've done things that if I knew it, it'd embarrass you if you told me what you've done. And he forgive you. You said, Preacher, I don't know what my mountain is. Oh, we just found forgiveness. Hating someone according to Booker T. Washington, is like burning down the house to get rid of rats. How many in this church are burning down the house to get rid of rats? I close. I finally found the mountain. But if you do not forgive, now listen, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. You say, Preacher, I've tried to forgive. Then why don't you let God take care of it? He's the one that moves mountains, not you. Preacher, I, I've tried to believe. Why don't you just come to God with that much faith, just, just that much? 
and ask him to forgive you of your sins and to save you and build you a place in heaven with just that much faith. Just the faith of a grain of mustard seed. And the Bible said, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved.